0: Life, if you give your heart and believe what he's done for you, you'll be set for life with the treasures stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life, you'll be for Samuel, sixteen and one. Now the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and go. I am sending you to Jesse the Bethlehemite, for I provided myself a king among his sons. Now look at that, fill your horn with oil and go. This means the Lord is ready he is ready. He already picked somebody. Samuel, go anoint him. You're going to get this done like today or like as soon as you get there. Go now. He's already been chosen. Samuel had to go out prepared to go be ready to anoint this guy, whoever he's going to be, to anoint him on the spot. Some of you people, you know how it is at work. You got to be ready to, to, to jump. As soon as there's a problem on the spot, you got to take care of it. And that's what he sent him to do anoint him on the spot. That's why he's taking the horn of oil. I want us to notice the big difference in how it's going to play out for this new king than how it did for Saul. Saul had to go to the high priest Samuel to become anointed. Remember that? Saul went to Samuel to be anointed. But for this new king, the high priest, would be sent to find him. Very different. The high priest is going to go look for him. Does anybody sense the gospel in this yet? I just want to throw it out early so you can be thinking on that as we go through. Now, remember that Samuel said that this new king would be better than Saul, so he's definitely going to find a good guy. Now, also remember in chapter 15 that the Lord regretted establishing Saul as king. Now this is not the kind of regret like we think of it as, as, a, as though a mistake or like a surprise or, oh, I wish I hadn't done that, that kind of regret how we think of it. It's more like Saul's failure as king did not prompt God to invent a new plan. He's not going to get a new king. Well, I didn't see that coming. Saul messed up. I guess I need a new king. That's not the way it's going down here. This new king that he's sending Samuel to anoint has already been chosen in eternity past. He has long since been chosen. I want you to remember from the book of Ruth, and I'm glad we went through Ruth before we got here because there's some associations. In the book of Ruth, how the Lord drew a foreigner named Ruth, to be united to a rich man named Boaz. Now, add the fact that the Lord told Samuel to go to Jesse the Bethlehemite. From what I'm trying to assemble here, who is Jesse? Let me show you. Ruth 4 and 13. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. And when he went into her, the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. Then verse 17, and they called his name Obed. He is the father of Jesse, the father of David. There's your link, okay? Jesse, the guy that Samuel is supposed to go and see, is the grandson of Ruth and Boaz. Isn't it cool? When all these little stories start coming into each other, playing in like that. I love it. And so you can see that the Lord was already working way back in history, to establish this new king that he sent Samuel to go and anoint. Okay, Ray, uh, Jesse had famous uh, grandparents. That doesn't really prove much. Everybody has grandparents. Okay, Uh, I'll take it a step further then. Now, do you remember how Boaz, he wanted to become Ruth's kinsman redeemer? He wanted to buy her debts so that she could become his. But the law stated that there was another who was a closer kinsman who had first rights to her. And so what Boaz had to do, well, the, the closer kinsman passed on the deal. He says, I can't afford it, but Boaz could. That's kind of another Jesus picture, and that our debts were too high for the law to pay for, but Jesus could afford it, okay? So what he did, though, Boaz, what he had to do, if he wanted to buy her to redeem her as his own, Boaz decided to take his case to the elder authorities who sat at the gate of the city. He wanted to take that case to them to let them weigh it out so that he could legally establish the right to obtain her. If the closer kinsman could not do it, he wanted it to be a legal matter that everybody saw that he gets the right to her because the closer kinsman had to back out. So he wanted to set this down in with witnesses. So, again, just like Jesus did with us when he legally paid for our price on the cross. I want us to recall what Boaz's witnesses said when he took this case to them. Ruth 4 and 11. And all the people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. The Lord make the woman who is coming to your house like Rachel and Leah, the two who built the house of Israel, And may you prosper in Ephrathah, which is another name for Bethlehem. And may you prosper in Ephrathah and be famous in Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah because of the offspring, because of the offspring, which the Lord will give you from this young woman. Now he said, may your house be like Tamar. That was was Boaz's ancestors. It was, they were, what they were saying is, because your ancestors had a lot of fruitful descendants to you, then may your descendants from you be the same as what you got from them. May you have a lot of descendants. Well, who's the descendant ultimately going to be from this blessing they pronounced? David, the guy that Samuel is going to go anoint. And they said, What? May be famous in Bethlehem. Did Jesus make Bethlehem famous? Well, yeah. <laughs> did David make Bethlehem famous? Okay, did this blessing work? Oh, yeah. Of course it did. Well, Ray. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot going on. Okay, so the Lord told Samuel to go see Jesse, grandson of Ruth and Boaz. But Jesse the what? Jesse the what? Jesse, the Bethlehemite, who are they saying famous in Bethlehem? Everything's correlating. You can see that God was working way back in history to establish what is yet coming about here now. And this time with Samuel. Grandchildren are now working this many years later. So they pronounce blessing over Ephrathah, which means fruitful Bethlehem. And I'm telling you what, Bethlehem was definitely fruitful. We get the Messiah from there that in turn ended up giving us all salvation. That's pretty fruitful if you ask me. So eventually the Messiah Jesus would come from this. And let me show you yet another one Isaiah 11 and 1. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit. There's another one about Jesse. Man, there's so much. I got another one. Huh. Jeremiah 23, 5. Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that I will raise to David a branch of righteousness. A king shall reign and prosper and execute judgment and righteousness in the earth. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell safely. Now, this is his name by which he will be called the Lord, our righteousness. So I showed you some Way back talk, I showed you some right now, 1 Samuel 16 talk, and I showed you some future talk to David, and I showed you some even more future talk, future even to us, the Lord Jesus coming. This is big, guys. (laughs) This has already been chosen way back. The Lord didn't go, oh, Saul messed up, better come up with another one here. What am I going to do? Let me pick that guy. It's not how it went. That's how man works. The Lord already chose David way back, a long time ago, okay? So I want us to understand that all the dynamics, all the history at work going on here, so that we see that we can understand that, guys, God is in complete control. Where we're at, Saul's making a mess. Everything's going crazy. A lot of people are dying, and it's all this conflict and all this craziness, yet God is still in control, You ever notice in your life when things look crazy and they're a mess, you're like, oh, everything's chaos. No. Yeah, in a sense, but God is still controlled. Never forget that God still knows what he's doing. Just because your life is a mess doesn't mean God lost it. God is using it. He's going to work it. All along, the Lord God had intended for this new king to take the throne And throughout history, God had been moving the pieces around on the the chessboard, so to speak, into place many years before Samuel's time. This is way back. But first, Israel had to learn to suffer under Saul's rebellion because of the rebellion they showed against God. Remember, they said, no, we want a king. They rebelled. And so they have to learn what that rebellion does, what it feels like. Now they're going to have to experience it through Saul, what they rebelled against God with. So God is now ready to anoint a new king so that Israel could experience how different it is to be under a good king. How many of you have got that comparison view of before you were saved versus after you're saved? Oh, yeah! man, I'll never go back. Israel's not ready to accept a new king. They have to go through the Saul ringer first before they go, you know what? This new king, he's good. (laughs) We're keeping him. They need to have that before after snapshot, I think. And that's why they're going through all this stuff. So God orders Samuel to go to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, to anoint a new king who was already chosen way back. But Samuel doesn't even know who it's going to end up being. Has God ever told you to go somewhere and do something, but didn't tell you what it was going to be yet? Where or what? And you're like, what am I doing? I'll I'll tell you. But you want me to leave and do all... Yeah, I'll tell you. Lord, you want me to quit my career that I've been doing for over 20 years and go be a pastor? I don't see how pastors make much money. Well, they don't. You want me to leave all this to go where? I'll I'll take care of it. Well, am I going to have enough... Ray, I'll take care of it. Just go. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was my battle with the Lord. Okay. <laughs> so I, I feel Samuel here. Verse Samuel 16, two. So he tells him to go. He doesn't know where yet. Uh, he knows where, but he doesn't know who the king's going to be. And Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears it, he will kill me. But the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what you shall do. How comforting. I will show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one I named to you. Now, guys, there can only be one king, just one on a throne, not two. You've never seen a throne with two kings. But to establish this new king, the old king has to leave. That's why Samuel is afraid of Saul because by now Saul had caused so much death and destruction that Samuel was afraid. If he finds out I'm going to go anoint another king, boy, is he going to get mad? Like you're going to do what? Excuse me, I'm the king around here. You're not anointing nobody else. Uh, He's very afraid of him. But that's why the Lord gave Samuel two statements of encouragement. He said, "Take a sacrifice." In other words, we're going to cover this. Take a sacrifice. And two, I will show you what to do. I'll show you what to do. (laughs) Believer, walking through life in trial, oh, what's going on? The Lord will show you what to do. It's okay. Now, do you see how the Lord alleviated Samuel's fear? He took care of it. Samuel flipped, what? Saul's going to kill me. And the Lord gave him uplifting. He built him up. He says, hey, I'll take care of this. Just do what I tell you to. I'll show you what to do. I'll take care of all that. I think it's nice that instead of scolding and punishing Samuel, oh how dare you doubt me, Samuel. He didn't do that to him, did he? He worked with him. It's like a parenting moment. He he was nice with him. It's like, hey, I got this. I got this. I think this is a very important piece of scripture to notice in here because I know a lot of Christians. They live with a guilt. Trip on their life. They know what they've done wrong, but they think God is just waiting for them to mess up this much. And man, when you do, I'm going to get you. And they're scared of him and they won't walk with God because they're afraid he's going to cut them to pieces at the slightest irregularity. Look what Samuel did God, I'm afraid, uh, I'll take care of it. I'll show you what to do. Christian, this is your God. Get to know your God, the God of the Bible. He's not just ready to chop you to pieces. He's a good God. Don't forget that he's good. Wow. This really instills confidence when God says, don't worry, I'll show you what to do. Oh, okay. (laughs) I guess we can do this now. (laughs) That That helps me. That's what God told me when he called me to be a pastor. But God, what about the money? What about this? What about you don't worship money anyway, Ray, right? No, I don't. He said, I'll take care of it. I'll show you what to do. Well, okay. And I quit my job. And seven years later, here I am. First Samuel 16 and four. So Samuel did what the Lord said. Wow. Okay. You know, that's an easy piece of scripture to read. Oh, he did what the Lord said. Okay, good. Let's read on. No, wait a minute. Has God told you to do something that's absolutely impossibly hard and you did it? That's a big deal. Saul was not doing that well, was he? He was always disobeying. Very big difference between Samuel and Saul. Samuel did what the Lord said. File that under obedience right there. <laughs> and went to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, Do you come peaceably? And he said, Peaceably. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Okay, immediately we get to see the difference between Samuel and Saul. He did what the Lord told him to do do this impossible thing. Oh, but God, just I'll take care of it. It'll be all right. Okay, so he went and did what the Lord said. Saul, what he would have done. He would have made excuses. He would have blown it. He would have done it halfway or not at all. And he would have blamed it on everybody else and and made this big old mess and lied and all kind of stuff. But it just simply says, Samuel did what the Lord said. Guys, look, it's just, it's black or white. You're doing it or you're not doing it. There's no halfway given yourself to the lord you have to do what he says don't do 10% of it and think you should be applauded or feel like you did it like Saul did in the last chapter oh i did kill all the amalekites and he had agag right there he didn't do it all he had all the animals and samuel's like you didn't do the you didn't finish the job man Saul thought he did do the, the job but he didn't and he made excuses just do what the lord says Now, Saul's problem is he started off good at first, but he quickly started to disobey. He preferred to do things his own way. That's called iniquity. Now, Samuel would have preferred not to go. I think I can feel that about Samuel. He would rather not, you know, because he was afraid of Saul. But after the rebuke that he had just given Saul, remember in the previous chapter, he said that obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. How can you disobey the Lord? when you just told somebody else that it's better to obey. It's like you're you're kind of hung on it now. If you don't go, you're hypocritical for what you just told Saul. So Samuel realized, I have to go. (laughs) Obedience is better. He knew it was better to just obey and go to Bethlehem than to disobey and then just try to atone it away with a sacrifice like Saul would have done. Obedience is better. So Samuel did what the Lord said. And Samuel scared the people of Bethlehem. I mean, I would, if I was watching what was going on, they know that he hunted Saul down. Who's going to go hunt the king down? Samuel did. He hunted Saul down to have words with him until Saul backed down. And also they know that Samuel hacked Agag to pieces to finish the job that Saul wouldn't do. And so, yeah, they're afraid. Samuel is a tough dude. And here he comes to our town. The first thought is like, uh, what did we do? (laughs) Did did I mess up? He's like, I'm here for a sacrifice. In fact, y'all join me. Oh, did we mess up? You know, there's been times before I've asked people to go to lunch with me, and I'd walk up to them. I said, hey, let's do lunch sometime. And they go, "This, this look of terror just comes over their face like, and I literally had one guy ask me one time, he goes, am I in trouble? I said, no, I just want to go to lunch. <laughs> and so here comes Samuel, and they're like, oh, you know, what, what do we do? He goes, I'm, just, I'm here for sacrifice. Y'all come join me. Whew, you know, First Samuel 16 and 6. So it was when they came that he looked at Eliab and said, surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. I could go all day on this passage alone. As a matter of fact, none of you are leaving here until about 6 p.m. So just (laughs) we'll have a bathroom break in about three hours, okay? Just, just, just chill. No. Um, this is just such an incredible moment here. But did you see what Samuel almost did? Did you catch that? He almost made the very same mistake that Israel made back when they chose Saul because he looked good. Did you see that? He said, he looked at him, oh, this is the guy. Samuel, really? After seeing everything that happened? But I want you to notice how the Lord reacted to Samuel. He did not jump on Samuel. Oh, Samuel, after all we've been through, after Israel chose Saul based on his looks, you do the same thing. Oh, you messed it up all over again. What am I going to do with you, Samuel? How could you? Did you notice how God did not blast him? for making the same mistake that Israel did? You see that? That's our God, guys. That's him. How did God react? He said very calmly, Samuel, don't look outwardly. I see different than you do. I look inwardly. Another parenting moment here. Oh, Samuel, you messed up. Bam! Kicked it. No, he didn't do that. He worked with him gently, calmly built him up. Friends, the, I, I'm, I'm nailing this again because there's a lot of people you need to understand that this is how God operates. You're so scared of God that you're one little mistake and he's going to smash your head in for it. That is not what he does if you're his. Well, Ray, he just judged the Amalekites and wiped them out. Yes, for centuries of wickedness, they never listened to him. They attacked his people, Israel. We're talking about a guy, Samuel, who belongs to the Lord. This is what the Lord, how the Lord is working with him. Christians, please hear me. God is a good God, and he wants to help you. He knows you're going to make mistakes already. If he didn't know you made mistakes, he wouldn't have sent Jesus in the first place. But he works with us, and we see that moment right here. He gave Samuel a parenting moment, and God even gave Samuel some deep insight about his own character in the process. Really nice. He gave Samuel the wonderful opportunity to know him better. Samuel, let me tell you how I see things, okay? Here's here's how I do it. I don't look outwardly, I look inwardly. And Samuel got new information on who his God is. What a blessing that God acted like a parent with their own child, God the Father. The Lord wants to get closer to you, believers, Christians. The Lord wants to get closer. Don't hold God off at a distance being so scared of him. He wants to get closer. Let him. Let him get closer to you. I had a guy tell me that in a church one day. I was at a pastor's conference, and I have a witness. Hank saw it. This guy crossed the entire church all the way from the other side during a moment of silence for anybody who needed to stand up and speak and he made a beeline right for me and sat down next to me and said, Jesus is trying to get closer to you. Thank you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life. You'll have all you need. Just receive with a willing heart. You'll be set for life. You'll be on your way any day you decide to start.